Well, God bless you guys. Good morning. You look so good. Thank you for being here. You are the guys who understand that it's just rain. We don't melt in it. I, I, I was telling somebody in the lobby that every Californian needs to do a two-year residency where there's actually weather. And then uh, you come back and appreciate that this is just weather everywhere else. I know it's really extreme for us. Hey, uh, normally I wouldn't do this introduction to somebody who's on our team and maybe many of you already know, but I wanted to take just a second. And um, if you haven't had the chance yet, meet Pastor Dan and his wife, Teresa. They joined our staff maybe five months ago, August, right? Pastor Dan, was it August? And uh, they have, I'm going to tell you something. He loves you guys. He loves Jesus. He's an excellent teacher of the word. He has such a heart and passion to see people grow, to see people connect. Um, We as a team absolutely love having Pastor Dan and Teresa with us. Uh, we, We feel like a um, just a, a God's given us a fresh breath of, of encouragement and, and wonderful vision. And I'm excited to have him here. And uh, I'm excited. I was so thrilled this week that I wasn't teaching. I get so much of my week back when I don't <laughs> teach. So I was like a kid in a candy store. And, and the, the, the other thing is I love that I trust. Um, I, I trust Pastor Jamie. I trust Pastor. I love having a team that I can put up here. And I know they're going to bring you really good truth in a way that you can use it, in a way that you enjoy listening to it. I'm not going to take any more of his time. I want you to give just a huge warm welcome to Pastor Dan. Wow. Oh, stop. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. And he is absolutely correct. I do love you guys. The longer I'm here, the more people I've met, I just am so grateful God called Teresa and I here. And uh, I do love Jesus. That's, that's also gu- guilty as charged. Um, but uh, it's a pleasure to be able to teach once a month. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we're in a series right now uh, called uh, The Starting Line, as you can see here. And if you have not heard the messages that Pastor Chris did the last two weeks, please go online. We actually have a YouTube channel, and you guys might start seeing more things come up on that YouTube channel. So like and subscribe like they say, right? Uh, or you can watch online as well. You can go to the Media Center uh, on, the, on our uh, website and watch those. But we're talking about starting well. And this morning, uh, I would like to start talking about how we can start by committing. We have commitment issues. I don't know if you guys realize that. How many people here have commitment issues? I do. Some of you are going like, I know I have commitment issues, but I'm not sure if I want to raise my hand, Right? <laughs> I was looking up some quotes about commitment. Here's, here's one I read. Someone once said, I like sleeping because it's like being dead, but without the commitment, right? <laughs> Someone else said, marriage means commitment. Of course, so does insanity. <laughs> All right, someone else said. I didn't say that, right? Let's move on. I'll, I'll tell you a story. How about that? You guys heard about the chicken and the pig? There was a chicken and a pig that lived on a farm, and they loved their farmer. He was so good to them, so committed. He loved them. And one day the chicken said, you know, I I just have such a heart for our farmer. So he got the pig and he said, hey, I would like to do something nice for the farmer. And the pig said, well, what do you have in mind? He goes, I'd like to have breakfast for him tomorrow. And I'll supply the eggs and you supply the ham. All right, you get that. Only one person there was committed, right? The reality is it takes 
commitment for any good thing to happen. I've got a couple of famous people I'm going to put up on the screen here, and I want you to tell me who you think they are. This first one here, do you guys know who the guy is? Michael Phelps. There you go. Michael Phelps, five Olympics. I don't know if you know this. His first Olympics, he didn't win any, any medals. It was in the 2000 Sydney Games, and he was only 15. But the next four Olympics, he won 28 medals, and 23 of those were gold. And he is the winningest, the most decorated summer Olympian in history. Uh, who's the guy next to him? His coach, very good. How come you don't know his name? I know his name because I looked him up this week. His name is Bob Bowman. And one of the reasons why Michael was so successful is, first of all, he had two older sisters who were competitive swimmers. And when he was growing up, he saw them competing, and he was not going to be outdone, so he decided to do competitive swimming. But at age 11, Bob Bowman saw him swimming and said, I think he's got potential. And so he said, I want to commit myself, my coaching to him, to see him reach his highest potential. The reality is, we may never have heard the name Michael Phelps if it hadn't been for Bob Bowman. How about this next picture? Let's see if you guys can recognize these figures. Who's, who's that? Tiger Woods. Very good. Do you know who the other guy is? His swing coach. Yeah, very good. Tiger Woods... Under his swing coach's tutelage, his name is Butch Harmon, won eight majors in 10 years. It's unprecedented. I, I remember one time I got the pleasure of going to see Tiger Golf at the Pro-Am down at Pebble Beach. They have it every year. They got, you know, Bill Murray's down there and all the famous golfers on the PGA Tour are down there. So one morning we decided we want to go early to the driving range and watch the pros and the amateurs uh, practice. And so... Tiger was there, and Butch was right next to him. And Tiger would get his irons out, and he would hit 10 balls in a row. He would stop, and they would converse, and he would get his next lofted iron. And if you don't know what that is, they hit the shorter distance. But he, finally, he got all the way to his driver. And I'll never forget, th this driving range had a big fence at the very back so that the balls wouldn't go over, right? It would stop them. And then there was two giant uh, redwood trees. They were about 15, 20 feet apart. And Tiger hit those balls over the fence between those trees every single one. The reality is Tiger, as talented, as committed as he is, would never have become the person he is without other people being committed to him. Right? But we've got commitment issues. And I don't know um, if you've ever experienced this, but I remember growing up, and I got wonderful parents, and so I don't want to besmirch my parents. They're great people, but I, for whatever reason, I never felt like I had anyone like that in my life, like a coach who was committed to me. And I kind of floundered. I kind of drifted. It didn't feel good. And, and in fact, because I think some of the insecurities I had, I would tend to not commit to people as well out of fear that I might be rejected. And so... I began to have some commitment issues, and we all have those, right? So go ahead and pull out your notes, or if you're watching online, you can uh, pull out the digital notes, and I want to describe one of the reasons I think we have commitment issues, and we can kind of get a hint from a verse we read in 1 Peter. Peter says this, most important of all, love each other deeply, because love makes you willing to forgive many sins. 
That's kind of a weird connection of two different concepts, loving deeply and sins. The, the word he uses for deeply there really means it's, it's the same word where we get uh, our word tendon. It's to stretch something almost to its breaking point. He's using an athletic term to describe the kind of commitment we're to make to other people. Why? Because of their multitude of sins. I don't know if you've noticed this yet, but people around you are screwed up. Have you noticed that? Don't look at your neighbor. But the reality is, Peter understands something that we need to understand. It's hard to make commitment to people because at some point they're going to let us down. At some point they're going to annoy us or they're going to hurt us. And so without even realizing it, a lot of us have commitment issues. If we believe in, in commitment, then we're going to have to go against our culture because our culture believes in convenience over commitment. Convenience. In fact, the divorce rate in our country is astronomical. By the way, the divorce rate in Hollywood is twice whatever these numbers are. But our divorce rate, here's some of the reasons why people say they get divorced. Number one, domestic abuse, 25%. That's very sad. 44% say they feel unequal in the relationship. 55% say infidelity. Half of all divorces, that's one of the reasons, which is very sad. 56 say excessive arguing. 73% of people who get divorced, divorced say this, a lack of commitment. That was the reason, a lack of commitment. It goes beyond marriage, though. It, it permeates our society. Um, let's, let's just take a look real quick to see if you have some commitment issues. I'm going to read some things, and you tell me if uh, this is you. You frequently cancel plans because of something else that came up. Have you ever done that? It's getting awful quiet in here. You let your anxiety or fear of being bored decide whether or not you commit to something. You have been dating someone for 10 years, but you're still not quite sure. You're afraid people might reject you once they get to know you, so you don't commit. Uh, here's a good one. You wait till the last minute to sign up for the women's uh, summit retreat, <laughs> right? We all have commitment issues. Here's Max Yoder, a commitment expert. Uh, here's his five levels of commitment. Let's say them together. We're going to start with number one. Say this. I don't care. Come on, try it again. I don't care. Very good. That's the first level of commitment. And some of you are there right now. You're thinking about lunch. You're already checked out. That's okay. Well, hope will get you on board at some point. The next level is, as I say together, I'm wishing, wanting, and hoping. Right? That's kind of, a, and sometimes we get there about things in our lives. Man, I wish things would get better. But that doesn't mean you've got commitment. That's just you're, you're dreaming or hoping for something. The next one is, let's say it together, I'm trying. We all know what Yoda said. Try not, not do you must, right? And that would be, anyway, sorry. That's, uh, that's for you nerds. I, I know a couple of nerds in the audience. Um, let's do number four. I'm committed unless, I've been guilty of this. I remember one time uh, I was brand new at a church and I got involved in a men's group. And it was a morning group, Monday morning we met. And I did love my group except for one guy. He was annoying. He talked a lot. You ever had one of those people that talk a lot? 
you go, no, I don't know anybody who talks a lot. It might be you. So <laughs> he talked a lot. And it, it drove me so nuts. It became something that just made me preoccupied every time I went. And I, I remember another friend of mine said, hey, I'm starting a Tuesday night group. I don't want to, you know, get in the way of your other commitments. And said, no, I'm looking for another group anyway. So I, I accepted his invitation to go to this Tuesday night group. And I told my Monday group, I'm sorry. I, I found another group I'm going to go to. Tuesday night I show up. He got invited too. He's there, right? Sometimes God wants to teach us some things. I'm committed unless, and the last one, let's say it together. I'm committed. Obviously, that is the only one of these five that is true commitment. I'm committed. So we want to start right by learning how to commit. Point number one, to start well in my commitments, I need to, I need to be prepared to sacrifice. I need to be prepared to sacrifice. It may be kind of a captain obvious thing to say because the definition of commitment is I'm dedicated to a cause or I'm dedicated to a person. But the second, if you look it up, the second definition is I'm limiting my freedom. We hear it all the time. You say, I can't do that. I have other commitments. When we get married, we make a commitment to one person and we give up dating, don't we? Well, our spouse. We're supposed to date our spouse, but we give up dating other people, right? We limit our freedom when we make commitments. In fact, when you make one commitment, you're offering, often saying no to other things. So it's important to understand that every commitment we make, we make is sacrificial. There's something we're giving up as a result of that. And I don't think we always take that into consideration when we're making commitments, I think that's why sometimes we make excuses, we start something, and we don't finish it because we didn't realize the sacrifice it was going to call us to make. We see Jesus challenging somebody here in Mark chapter 10 as he talks to this man, and this man is, is coming to Jesus for advice, and, and he's, he's probably heard about Jesus because his uh, Jesus' reputation has gone wild. I mean, he's been healing people. He's been teaching. So this rich young man comes to see Jesus. And, and as he's coming, you've got to understand something. Rich people often think that they should be able to talk to whoever they want. Isn't that true? Yeah. Right. They have connections. So uh, a rich person should be able to talk to a person of influence like Jesus. So here he is. He comes to Jesus. And it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. Now, first I want to say before I go on, Jesus is not saying, I'm not God. He's challenging this man's uh, uh, word, good. Good teacher. And we're going to learn he thinks he's good. He goes on, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. You got to understand something. Uh, Jesus at that point could have stopped in and said, by the way, I know you said you, you uh, have not committed adultery, but you know the uh, Jerusalem fitness you go to and how you were staring at that woman's butt for a long time? That kind of falls under the category of adultery. You know how you, you hate your neighbor? Uh, that falls under the category of murder. But Jesus doesn't go there. There's no point in it because he thinks he's perfect. 
So what Jesus does is he now jumps to the first commandment. Let's read on. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love from him. I want to stop just for a second there. I think a lot of times when, when we feel like God's asking us for a commitment, or I should say when the church, when people come to church, they'll say things like, oh, all they want is my money. And the reality is, here's, this could be what this guy you know, was thinking of Jesus. Um, but Jesus' heart was for this man. He loved him. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. See, he understood this guy's perspective. He was searching. He needed to know that he was okay. And so Jesus was going to guide him to the place where he could truly understand that he was okay. And this is what he says. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. You see, this man didn't realize to truly love Jesus, he had to make a commitment. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. Every Jew knew that. Jesus didn't quote that commandment. Jesus made it practical by challenging whether or not he was willing to sacrifice. And I just want to say something. This was a special, special invitation. This was no ordinary invitation. Jesus picked the people that followed him. Jesus picked Peter, James, and John. And Jesus was inviting this man to become one of his followers. It was a personal invitation from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We don't know what this man could have become if he had said yes. But you notice he didn't go away mad. He didn't go away saying, all Jesus wants is my money. He went away sad because there was something about what Jesus asked him that rung true, but he knew he wasn't willing to make the sacrifice. How sad. The reality is, we have got to analyze and understand and be willing to make a sacrifice for the commitments that count in life. Commitment without sacrifice is like a sailboat without a sail. You're not going anywhere. One of the things I appreciate about Chick-fil-A is they sacrifice seven per- or, or one-seventh of their business, right? They sacrifice money by not being open on Sunday. I enjoy chicken sandwiches on Sunday. I don't know about you guys. I do. But I respect the fact that they've committed, they've made a sacrifice to shut down so everybody in their company, whether they're Christian or not, can have a Sabbath. I think it's phenomenal sacrifice to make. It's a commitment that they hold, and I think they're to be commended for it. So, now, now I want to look at Peter. In the same context of what's going on here with this rich man who walks away sad, Peter, hearing all this, asks Jesus this question. Matthew 19, 27 to 29 says this. Peter said to him, we've given everything to follow you. What will we get? Does that sound like a teenager or what? I've done all of my chores. What do I get? I, I'm telling you what, if that would be me, I, like, how about the lights? You get to turn on your light switch. 
You get free food. How's that? You did your chores. Good for you. You know, Jesus could have made fun of Peter in this moment. And, and I think that's a question we all have. When we make a commitment to something, we, we want to know that the, we're going to get something out of it. And I don't think that's an inappropriate question. In fact, had the rich young ruler asked that same question, maybe Jesus could have had a longer conversation. But Jesus doesn't knock Peter down for saying that. In fact, he answers him directly. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Peter and James and John, the apostles have a special place because of their commitment and their sacrifice. They're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. And everyone, he goes on though, everyone, that's us, who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children. Some of you with teenagers are going, amen to that. No, I'm kidding. Or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. You see, Jesus never expects our commitment to yield nothing. We have a sowing and reaping God. And everything we sow, what Jesus is saying is, you are going to reap far more than you ever sow. Far more. It may feel like we're losing something, we're sacrificing something when we make a commitment, but the reality is, Jesus is going to give back far more than anything we could possibly sacrifice. That's kingdom finances. That's how king, the kingdom works with our time and our commitments and our finances. Peter and all of us looking at, look at making sacrifices, losses, because we think of things like, what if I commit to my church and it lets me down? What if I commit to hosting a group and it doesn't work out? What if I commit to a group and I don't like it? What if I start tithing and I can't make ends meet? We think about the commitments as losses rather than what Jesus is saying. It's a gain. It's a gain for us to make commitments. When we make the right commitments and the right sacrifices, we receive back. So we got to be willing to make those sacrifices. Number two, to start well my commitments, I need to be willing to see them through on the front end. To see them through on the front end. It's about the will, folks. It's not about... You know, it's easy to say, I'll do something, but it's about our will. When we say yes to something, we got to be willing to see it through to the end. We all have that flaky friend, right, that comes late to everything. You have one of those friends? Comes late, doesn't show up, whatever. And, and some of you are going like, no, when I show up, everybody's already there. Anyway, okay. That may be a problem. We need to be the kind of people that are going to commit to something and see it through to the end. Because the reality is difficulty is always going to be there with a the commitment. The higher the commitment, the greater the sacrifice. Parents know this. They, they know that when they're going to have a child, there's a commitment they're making to the child. There's no child ever born in history that lived up to their parents' expectations. None. I've raised five, I know. In fact, it's very quick where you realize that's true. They don't sleep uh, through the night uh, quick enough. They, they disappoint you as, as teenagers sometimes, right? So 
As a parent, you can't sit the child down and say, Johnny, it's just not working out. We're going to have to let you go. Right? We understand as parents, we're seeing this through to the end. You have the baby, they're yours forever. Right? It's no difference in the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament, there's a great story of, of uh, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a familiar story, but let's read it again, just to refresh our memories. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I've set up? They refuse to worship anything but the one God. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. This is pretty bold to speak to the king. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, then the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. You see, they knew on the front end that they were going to see this through to the end. They had a sense that God would rescue them, and he did. But even if, for whatever reason, God saw fit to let them go through this and die, they knew that their eternal reward was far greater than anything Nebuchadnezzar could give them, and so they were going to see it through to the end. Folks, we need to be people of commitment that can see things through. Difficulty is the fire that burns away everything but our commitment. When trials come and you get through them, you learn what you're committed to. Finally, to start well in my commitments, I need to adopt God's perspective. There's a great verse in Philippians 2, verses 5 and 6, where we see the mind of God. And Paul is helping us understand this. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a life of selfless, obedient, excuse me, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. You see, Jesus, we think about his sacrifice as being the cross, like that was it. And yes, that was the sacrifice that made us acceptable in his sight. However, he was sacrificing from the very beginning. Hundreds, thousands of years before he showed up on the scene, he had been promising he was coming. And 
he was willing to go through the humility of going from being on the throne room worshipped by angels to being in a, uh, a stall where horses eat out of and being vulnerable, being raised by people, and then growing up and being misunderstood and spit at and, and having to be patient with the very people that he created, he was willing to do it all because the payoff was so great. It was you. You're the payoff. Our commitments, when we make them, they yield results, powerful results in our lives. On the last night Jesus was on earth, he said this to his disciples. It's found in John chapter 13, 34 and 5. He said, let me give you a new command. Love one another. That sounds good so far, right? Cool, we can do that. In the same way I've I've loved you. Oops, uh uh-oh, that's getting a lot harder. In the same way I have loved you, love one another. This is a self-sacrificial love. It's a commitment that sticks to the end. And this is the kicker. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. You see, friends, that's the testimony. That's the story that Jesus wants the world to see. Our love for each other. That's supposed to be the most powerful thing on earth is seeing His love through us to each other demonstrated on earth. But it takes sacrificial commitment. It takes us being willing on the front end to see it through to the end. And it's hard. It's not easy. Everything He's asking us to do is hard. But it yields results, not only for others, but for you. It yields results for you in the future. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. A hundredfold of anything you could possibly commit to here. So I'm going to give you a few recommendations. If you want some practical applications, here's a few. Pick one or more. Number one, commit to being here. The average Christian now goes to church, I think it's once a month. That A regular attender that they consider regular attender goes to church once a month. If, if you're watching this online and you can get to church, come to church. Be here in person. It's hard to encourage one another when you're sitting on your couch, right? It's hard to encourage one another when you're not here. And that's what we're called to do. That's the first commitment you can make. Second, join a group. We're going to be talking about this in the coming weeks. We're going to give you opportunities to join groups. You will never grow more than you will when you commit to a group of people. As hard as it might be, you might get an annoying person just like I did in my group, right? (laughs) How about this? Commit to supporting this church through your tithes and offerings. You know what? We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. This is for you. Do you want a hundredfold increase in the life to come? Commit. Commit to God's kingdom to bring it to the storehouse. And, and this is a big one. How about this? Commit to Jesus. 
Don't be like that rich man that walked away because he had so many possessions. Oh, this sounds so good, but man, this stuff is fun. <laughs> you know, I like my jet ski, <laughs> right? There's so many other things in the world that you can be committed to, but there's nothing, nothing as important as being committed to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Do you know, I, when I first became a Christian, I thought it was kind of egotistical of God to expect us, you know, is, does he have some, side of, some sort of a problem where he needs worship? And until later, I didn't realize, no, no. It's appropriate to worship and to value the thing that's most valuable. It's appropriate, right? When, if you had a parent that saved up $10,000 to go on a vacation to Hawaii, and then that parent had a kid who got sick and they needed an operation that cost $10,000, and the parent said, you know what? I really want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> Sorry, son. You'd say, dude, you got your values mixed up, right? There's nothing more valuable than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Nothing more valuable than the God that created you. It's appropriate to put him first. When I uh, sadly went through a period of singleness, I, many of you know I, I went through a divorce after 25 years of marriage, a commitment that I ended up not being able to follow through to the end. And I, I ended up um, being very lonely. It's something a lot of people don't realize if you're married. Uh, a lot of single adults, uh, one of their greatest needs is community. I lost my community. And I remember meeting someone, her name was Letty, and uh, she was connected to the church, she was in leadership, but she was a super great networker, and so she would always make sure everybody was okay, you know. Uh, make sure that no, no one was feeling lonely or isolated. So you can call her up. Hey, what's going on this weekend? Oh, we're doing this. We're doing this. She would coordinate things. She's just so phenomenal. She was a single mom, had two kids, kind of in junior high age. And uh, she was divorced. Her, her uh, ex-husband was an atheist. But she was, she's a very kind person. And I had just started getting involved in this group. So I wasn't super committed and I don't know anybody, if you ask their level of commitment to the group, I don't know what people would say. But I saw something happen that demonstrated a commitment. Uh, she was in Yosemite with a group of friends. And, uh, one, you know, the roads sometimes crisscross and they have these, you know, cliffs. And so she was getting the perfect picture. So she stupidly stepped over the, uh, the barricade so they could get a really good picture of her with Yosemite in the background. And as she was back there, she stumbled backwards and fell off a cliff 70 feet and landed on a rock outcropping. And the Yosemite River was right below her. It was a miracle she didn't fall into the river. She would have been dead for sure. Well, thank God she survived that fall, but they had to life flight her out of there. Broken legs, broken arms, broken skull, teeth missing. Just she was... A disaster. She wasn't going to be able to walk for a long time. She wasn't going to be able to work for a long time. And I kind of got a, a little glimpse of what heaven is like when it comes to love. Because I saw people say things like, she's going to need a wheelchair ramp. Who's going to help with that? Let's do that. Let's get, some, I know how to build. I'll, I'll donate the lumber. Her kids got to get to school and, and back. How, how are we going to do that? 
I'll volunteer. I'm going to put a list together. Who wants to help? Who's going to do meals? One guy said, I don't know how she's going to pay her rent. I've got her rent for the next three months. It was incredible. It was people loving each other the way Christ loved us. It was self-sacrificial commitment to each other. And I remember her atheist husband looking at this and being in awe of these people who loved and were so self-sacrificial were just on it. You know, the reality is we're never going to have the influence in the community until we can start loving each other well and we can make commitments to each other that we need to make for ourselves and for each other. And we can do that. It just takes us saying, I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to see this through to the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful above all things that you demonstrate commitment to us, that you have come to this earth, humbled yourself, lived the perfect life, died in our place on the cross for our forgiveness because we were imperfect and you were perfect. And you have never stopped committing to us. And I just pray, I know there's some people in this room that probably don't feel like anybody's committed to them. I just pray you'd help them maybe make a commitment to a group or to this church. And maybe there's some others that have not been involved in, in serving or being in groups or, or giving or whatever it is. I just pray right now, if you're impressing it on their heart, that they would just make a determination right now. They're going to make a commitment that you're calling him to make. And I pray also right now, there's some that maybe have wandered away from Christ and you can kind of identify with that rich young ruler because you feel like there's other things that have become more important. And right now, you want to re-solidify your commitment to Jesus. You can do that. Just by saying, I'm done, Lord. I'm, I'm looking forward and I'm trusting you. And finally, there's probably some people in here that have never made a commitment to Christ. You're living your life alone. You have that same uncertainty that the rich young ruler had. And this morning, you can do the same thing Peter did. You can say, I'm all in with you, Jesus. And Jesus will never let you go. If you want to do that this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you let me know that just by raising your hand? Is there anybody? I see those hands. I'm going to pray for you. Father God, I thank you for those people who just want to go all in with you this morning. I just pray, God, that they would begin to see how much you're committed to them. But Lord, as they make commitments to you and to your people, this church, that you begin to transform their life. Just like those athletes, they begin to become better versions of themselves, the, the people that you created them to be. And we're so grateful, God, that you give us these opportunities to commit and to recommit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.